Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Hallelujah. Who loves Jesus? Amen. Matthew 6, 24, beginning a series on spiritual warfare. So the, the bookstore is actually having a special today. For the price of one, you can get a shofar. <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. Nothing against shofars, just shofar. They haven't broke things open. Shofar is an instrument, so if you know how to play it, it's obviously good. But if you don't know how to play it, I mean, a trumpet is an instrument. And I could get up there and blow it, but it doesn't mean the Lord is pleased by it because I am not talented in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's where we went wrong with shofars. You had the right heart. The zeal was there, but the talent was not there. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Real word is mammon in the King James Version, mammon. You cannot love God and love mammon. You cannot serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. I was raised in the South. Is there any true Southerners here? Southern people are raised with just, I mean, it's drilled in us from the time that we're nine months old, we have to say please to get our diaper changed, you know. Thank you. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Open doors. Closed doors. It gets awkward when there's two southern people trying to hold the same door. It's like pick one and get out of the way, you know. Like, let me run up there. No, run up there. And then you just wind up stumbling over each other and, and, and fighting over a door. But Southern people are raised with manners. And one of the things that I was raised with in my household was that mom would, you know, give us, you know, broccoli or something. And it would be like, I hate broccoli. Anybody in here bear witness with that? Come on. Let's admit it. Broccoli going in is bad enough, but broccoli coming out the other end. Let's talk about these things. It's time to get to know one another. Amen. In an intimate setting. You know when someone's had broccoli, they're called, yeah, never mind, okay, moving. <laughs> but we'd be like, I hate broccoli. And we were taught hate is a strong word. We don't use the word hate. We use, you can dislike, you can strongly dislike, but we don't hate. Okay, then I strongly dislike broccoli right now. But Jesus didn't say that. You know what that? Jesus didn't say you're going to love one and strongly dislike another. He said you're going to love one and you're going to hate another. Right. Began to realize that was in the, in the capacity of spiritual warfare, it has got to come from a place of like a fire within you. That if you truly love God and you're passionately in love with His presence and who He is, on the flip side, there's a hatred of injustice. There's a hatred of sin. You hate addiction. You hate wickedness. You hate every perversion that is allowed to go unchecked because it is destroying people's lives. You love God, and in return, you hate the devil. I mean, I hate him. And me and the devil are in agreement on one thing. We hate each other. 
right? you got to stir that up and realize, see, religion teaches you to be lukewarm. Because a lukewarm person never gets incited to action. Religious people, they, they pride themselves on maturity, but really it is that they don't love God enough to act. And so anything can go under and they're like, look, just let it happen. What will be, will be. But a righteous person, full of the Spirit of God, will be a person that stands against wickedness. They'll be a person that stands against injustice. They will be a person because it's like a fire shut up in their bones that they can't shut off. No, I won't be quiet. People are dying. This is real. We have got to plunder hell and populate heaven. You can make a thousand orders telling us to shut up, but we won't shut up until Jesus takes us home. It's not because we're arrogant. It's not because we're prideful. It's because we hate the lies of hell and the oppression because we once were in it, but now we're set free. Come on, somebody. Jesus said that I realize how true that is, that you've got to fall in love with the Lord so that it's so passionate inside you how much you love his presence and his ways that you hate the things that draw a person away from that. Right? And it's not that you hate the person. It's not that you hate the political party. It's not that you hate the government. It's not that you, it's that you hate wickedness. Because you understand we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. We don't hate people. We don't hate flesh and blood, but we hate demonic oppression. We hate wickedness. We hate perversion. We hate lies of hell. We hate the devil going unchecked. We want to be the person to stand in his way and say, not today, Satan. We don't want to just wear the shirt. We want to be that. Amen. Not today. Look at your neighbor. Say, he's telling the truth. Half the crowd said that, so I can already tell I've already offended half the place. That's great. It's going to be a good day in, in Jesus' name. So there should come within you this, this understanding or this fire, this passion, this zeal of standing for the things of God. And even when you have to stand, knowing that people will not like you for standing, you stand because of your passionate love for God. Jesus stood for Israel and they killed him. But he didn't not love them. He still stood but the wickedness, the driving of society, the demonic influence upon them drove them to murder Jesus. And see, I want to remind you of this in the sense of spiritual warfare. People give way too much credit to the devil. The devil is not our God. He is not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything. He can't even prophesy accurately. He can try and lead you with, with lies, but he does not have the power that our God has. He cannot tell you what tomorrow holds. He can plan for it to hold something, but all it takes is one child of God full of faith and full of power to say that's not what tomorrow's going to give. Tomorrow is the day the Lord has made, and I rejoice ahead of time and declare it's a day of breakthrough. Amen. Even when you begin to realize something, because too many Christians are staying in this place of almost like a fear and dread of what the devil's going to do next. Forget that. Shake it off. Let the fire of heaven burn within you and realize tomorrow, I'll tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be a day where more wickedness is exposed than ever. Amen. We will see justice in the land because the children of God are still here and we still possess the power to pray. Amen. We are in a spiritual fight, but we're just gearing up, baby. 
Amen. In the first service, we had to dedicate a baby. He wasn't here. He wasn't feeling good, but his name was Kai Rambo. And after I heard that dude's name, I was like, that kid was named like the best 1990s movie hero name ever. He was born with an eight pack with his concealed carry license. Promise you. Kai Rambo. I was like, his name's Kai Rambo. I'm changing my name. He's bulky. I knew he would be with a name like that. He, he actually squats 300. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Six months old and already people in the gym are scared of him. May we all be Kai Rambos in the spirit. Amen. May our presence terrify the devil. May we not be the cowardly lions of the kingdom of God, but may we be childs of heaven, bought with a price, anointed for a time to take territory in Jesus' name. And I'm preaching this because I felt this really strongly lately, that this is the hour to provoke the church to action. It's not an hour to be afraid. It's not an hour to hold up. It is an hour to charge ahead and strip the enemy of everything we can strip him from. I believe that we are standing in a time where it can go two different ways. The church stays hidden, stays back, stays weak, or the church charges ahead and takes ground. And I am committed. And if you come to this church, be committed to take that territory in Jesus' name. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 26, when he was arrested, and we saw it in the play, when, when they, the, the servant Peter drew his knife and cut the guy's ear off. And Jesus kind of rebuked him and said, put the sword away. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So we understand that Jesus was not the person to provoke you to say, yes, go out and get an AR-15 and storm the, the streets of Washington, D.C. He's not a God that incites a fleshly violence. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, do not model yourself after violent people. Let me read it, Proverbs 3.31. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways because such wicked people are detestable to the Lord. But he offers friendship to the godly. So God is not calling us to a place of anger and violence against people in the flesh. That's demonically charged. That's the trigger of hell. Hell triggers a person to violently in the flesh lash out. But heaven provokes a person to rise up and take authority in the spirit realm and bind the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. There's power in the church today. We were talking about it. Our friend, some of you have heard this testimony of me, but years and years went by where I, was, I went to Bible college. You know, I was raised on a dairy farm. My, my granddad was a car dealership owner. My great-granddad was a farmer. I mean, in the Ring family line, it was always entrepreneurs for generations. And so I was kind of raised with that, like, we are just, we work, we're going to do it, we're going to find something, watch out world, here we come type thing. And really I had like a spirit of you can do anything. And then I radically get saved, I go to Bible school because the Holy Spirit tells me to go to Bible school, then I go to Oral Roberts and get a business degree because the Lord tells me to, and because this, this hottie was there. <laughs> it helps when there's a prize in the natural too, you know. Where are you going, Oral Roberts? I feel the Lord's leading me that way too. You know, amazing what the Lord has in store. I mean, I don't know where it's coming from. Okay, anyways. 
So I wind up there and I graduate with a business degree. Well, now I'm stuck in this conundrum. Some people are getting get this place where it's like, what am I called to do? Business or ministry? Am I called to, you know, pick a side? You know, Lord, I just want to get it right. And years go by and this guy, he, he's praying. He's from South Africa. His name's Daru. He's a good friend of my father-in-law's and we're staying in his house. And man, there's one of two people. I only know two people in my life I've witnessed this phenomenon. That when they pray, a cloud of his presence actually fills the room. I've seen it twice, like literally a cloud of the Lord. I've prayed many hours, and I've never seen a cloud, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But one day may a cloud come in when I pray. Amen. Cue the smoke machine. Oh, wait. Never, never would I fake it. And so he was praying, and sure enough, it was like he would get up early in the morning, and uh, pray, and, and I come in the room, and there's like a cloud of God's presence, just a sweetness. And he says, Caleb, I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me this morning concerning you that you're stuck between the decision, are you called to business, you called to ministry. And when a person can pray a, a, like a cloud in a room, you're like, what did he say? You know, like it's not a like, yeah, how do you know that? I'm going to have Raisin Bran. It's like I'm stopping, I'm sitting. You have my undivided attention right now. Like, I'm grabbing my wallet to give an offering just in case that's, you know, protocol right now. <laughs> I don't know. Here, here's $100. <laughs> and he said, the Lord told me, it's your decision. And I was like, come on, bro. Go back and go back in the cloud <laughs> and get an answer for me, you know. Like that, no, 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 you know, yeah. but like the Lord took me on a journey of free will to understand that we have to freely choose him. But I brought all that up just to, to, to give cloud of who this person is. But there was a time and you heard it with Tony Carpenter was here. We knew this man. He passed away just a few years ago that thieves broke into his house with, with automatic weapons charged into his bedroom when he's in his night, you know, not, not underwear to go to bed with an automatic rifle right in front of him. And trying to, to rob him for all he's got because he was a wealthy person. Most people at that time, they're just going to give in and just, look, look, please don't do anything. The moment they pull the gun on him, he sip, raised his finger and said, do you not know who I am? He said, I am a child of God. With the snap of my finger, I could separate your spine from the neck and you would collapse dead. The guy took the gun set it down and just walked right out. I mean, they did it. It's like when the, when the thief leaves an offering on the way out. Hey, we robbed the neighbors. You just go ahead and you, you need it more than I need anyways. All right. Well, what happened in that place? Obviously, we know in the natural, the guy with the AR has the upper hand. But he knew by the Spirit of God, this guy is being motivated by something that I possess authority over. You might have me in the flesh, but you don't have me in the spirit realm. And you got to stir that within you to realize we do not war against flesh and blood. We war against powers and principalities in dark places. And we have been given the power to take control of the situations around us. And God has given you that authority in his name by his spirit and by his blood. If I was to give you the keys to a house today, call you out, give you the keys, and every time you went to that house, 
with keys in hand, you called me and said, Caleb, could you come and unlock the house? What's the point of having the keys exactly? I'll tell you what Caleb's going to do. After three, four calls, Caleb's taking said keys back. He's going to find someone that knows how to use keys. Because you still ask him for the keys that I already gave you and the house is yours. Well, that's the church. We have been given the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The power to bind and loose. To tell the devil, you can't touch our generation. And you got to stir that within you. To realize we're in a fight and we are on the winning side. I'm not waiting to win. I have already won in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Also in Ephesians, it says similar that we do not war against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities in dark places. Now, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve. And the Amplified, it says it's best because this is the scripture that if you read it in many contexts, you can't get what Jesus is saying. It's the scripture where Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force. And it says in parentheses, as a precious prize, you have to have a fire within you to grab a hold of the kingdom of God. A passion. And he's saying that talking about the crowd that followed John the Baptist that were so hungry. They followed him in the wilderness and hung on every word. And when he said repent and be baptized, they lined up to do that because they were violently seizing the kingdom of God, even though it was against tradition. And so it is endured violent assault, a prize, a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought after with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Think about that. That inside the children of God, we were made for passion. You know what I'm saying? We actually are all Enrique, Enrique Iglesias or what you know. <laughs> Spanish men are known for, you know what like I'm saying? Like sultry and stuff. I got a little bit of flavor in me. Amen. You were made for passion. My wife's rolling her eyes like you are so far from it, son. <laughs> Oh, okay. Maybe you're, maybe you're batting your eyes. <laughs> Hello. My name is Supreme Commander Caleb. I saw you across the room. I say we dance until the... Okay, anyways. You... <laughs> I promise you, this is actually not on the notes. Thank God. Amen. How did you get that in your notes? I don't know. Anyways, you were made for passion, intense exertion, ardent zeal, that when a person is truly alive, there's a passion that comes from that. And we're talking about waging spiritual warfare. Well, God has given us weapons. As the Bible says, we don't use human weapons. We don't go out against the devil with, with knives and with swords. We go with spiritual weapons, godly weapons. And the first weapon I want to talk about today is a renewed spirit. 
that God has given us a renewed spirit. That we are brought back to life. That old things become new. That the old purse, every claim, every wickedness, every curse, every utterance, every, everything that could have ever bound you up, Christ delivers you from and refreshes you and gives you a brand new spirit, man. And your spirit, man, is alive. Say alive. alive. More alive than this flesh is ever going to be. The spirit is alive. Man, thank God for that. Your spirit doesn't grow weary, doesn't grow weak. It's, it's fresh, it's vibrant, it's not held in the chasm of time. It is beyond the realms of time. That's why scripture says, even now you are seated in heavenly places. Now we know that's not in the flesh. Right now I'm not seated in heavenly places. I'm not at the right hand of the Father in the flesh. In the flesh, bro, I had to get up and I had to shower and I had to brush my teeth because I stink if I don't do that twice a day. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And yet I still, when I see market price on the menu, I'm like, Lord, let me just, is this okay? I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of that fear of like, what is market price? Because this is, you know, build back better time. I mean, chicken wings are up to like 250 each right now. Market price. They're like, well, let me check and see if we have it because the restaurant didn't have enough to buy it. I mean, that's where we're at. But I'm a royal priesthood. I have resources you know not of. How much is the chicken? Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm wealthy beyond measure. How much is that? Okay, let me pray about it. I'll get back to you two, three weeks. No, I mean, the Lord increases you, but you know what I'm saying. That what he's saying in that capacity, is this is not a parable. This is not, this is not a suggestion. This is literal, saying that now your spirit is already at the end, seated in authority at the right hand of the Father. That's where we are in the spirit. So when you war in the flesh, you lose. But when you war in the spirit, you have already acquired the victory before you even start the battle. Am I stirring anybody to action right now? I want to awaken that within you. That you are a child of the Most High. And you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You have a renewed spirit. You are no longer just flesh and blood. But you're more than that. You can access things in the spirit realm. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that all of the seen world exists because of the unseen world. So the spiritual thing is what matters. When the thieves break in, when the AR, it's the demonic oppression that's bringing them in that you have the power to exert control over. Amen. Amen. When depression tries to war on your life and in your mind, it's the spirit realm that you have authority over that. You don't have to medicate yourself. You just have to take authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Stir that within you and realize who you are in Christ Jesus. That you're a child of God. Living with a renewed spirit, no longer dead, but brought back to life. And as a spiritual person, one of the beauties of being in the spirit is as Jesus said when he talked with the woman in Samaria, that in the last days, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means that I don't have to wait until I die to worship the Lord in the throne room. 
that even by the Spirit right now, alone in a bathroom, alone in my living room, alone in my car ride, I can worship the Lord from the Spirit and be ushered right into the throne room of God. Oh, think about that right now. You're right there with him. You don't need a mediator. You don't need a prophet. You don't need an apostle. You have bypassed it because you are in the spirit and you are seated there with him and you are worshiping the king. What happens when you get this stirred within you? Number one, it is the best way to equip yourself to stir when you're feeling down. Anybody in here ever felt down before? Oh, yeah, of course we do. Anybody ever felt drained before? Yes, absolutely. The flesh gets worn out. The flesh gets drained down. Your time management, everything against you, all of that. But the spirit, in the spirit, when you go to worship, you can just bypass all of that and get right in the presence of the Lord. And then times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. He restores your youth. He brings new life. It's like a refreshing of his presence, but also it's intimacy. Worship is intimacy. You're drawing near to God. And when you draw near to God, as John said, on the Isle of Patmos, he was caught, he was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And suddenly he had a vision. It's like the Lord took him to a place and all of revelations is something that was revealed to him because he tapped into the spirit. And that's within you. Say, that's in me. The Spirit of God has given me a spirit on the inside. And from the Spirit, I can access the things of God. So I can be brought into His presence. God can show me concerning things to come. I was listening to a friend of mine preach the other day. And he was talking about, he was going to preach at this church. And his dad, his dad flows in the prophetic, strong man of God, Ted Shuttlesworth. And he looks at his son and he says, let me tell you. Has the pastor called you to cancel the meeting yet? And he said, no. Why would you say that? I fly out tomorrow. It's Friday. No, he hasn't canceled. I'm going to fly out tomorrow. He says, okay, I find that when pastors cancel meetings, it's for these three reasons. And he names three reasons. The next morning when he gets up to go fly, catch his flight to go preach for this pastor, phone rings. I hate to do this to you, but I'm canceling the meeting. And it's for these three reasons. Boom, 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 boom. Why? Because in the spirit, Ted already knew what was going to happen. Well, you have access to that. When I became a pastor here, I was a traveling minister for years. So I was always traveling out. We didn't have a salary, so I was traveling out for grocery money just to make ends meet. And I go to pray, and the Lord says to me, cancel all of your meetings. And I think some of you heard this. Cancel all of your meetings. Well, that's like a, that's a big deal to do. Like right now, God, you know, I mean, you know how it is, you know, like it's like where you want to negotiate with a look. I mean, obviously you don't really know everything that's going on right now, God. I mean, just I'm going to open up the, you know, I know you're busy up there and I, I, I have a better finger on what's happening. <laughs> but I knew it was the Lord. I mean, it was, it was strong in my spirit. So I, I, I pick up the phone and I start calling pastors. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen this year. And I keep, I keep canceling meetings and I'm going through it, you know, and. And suddenly my phone rings and it's my father-in-law, my pastor, Dr. Rodney Auerbach. And he says, son, I was praying for you. And the Lord told me to tell you, cancel all of your meetings. Because the Lord is going to give you a breakthrough at the River Claremont. It's not going to go under. It's going to go over in Jesus' name. And that was all I needed. Well, how did he know anything? Because there's one spirit. 
Are you getting this right now? And as I was, we grew as a pastor, I began to watch. There was a time in my life that I was like, man, I, 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 I'm a personal person. I try and remember people, try and remember their names, try and shake their hands, try and remember their kids, which let's face it, try and remember people's kids. You know what I'm saying? Like that is hard because I can't even remember my kids half the time. You know what I'm saying? Whoever you are, get here front and center right now. Do you belong to me? Okay, just checking. Now, I remember my kids most of the time. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they, they, some people have, you know, more kids than Jesus had disciples. <laughs> Let's talk about it. You are fertile. Okay. Bobbing the baby right out. It must be June. Here comes another one. <laughs> I went to Bible school with a guy. He had 12 daughters. He kept having kids believing for a son. And finally, his wife drew the line at number 12 and said, that's it. Twelve ladies. I mean, imagine that. Poor guy. We prayed for him. I still pray for him today. <laughs> Not that women aren't great. It's just when there's 12 of them in your household. <laughs> he never got to use the bathroom. He was always kind of cranky. He would come to church just for the restrooms. <laughs> Found him dancing in the urinal once. Oh, la, la, la. It's mine. It's all mine. I'll go when I want to go. I'm a man. <laughs> Anyways, what were we talking about? Where are we right now? The urinal thing threw me for a loop. Oh, kids. Yeah. So I remember. Yeah. As <laughs> the church crew, you know, I, I got to the point where I'm like, man, I, I, I felt I was feeling convicted because it's like people would be, you know, oh, I haven't seen that person. Oh, I don't I don't remember them or oh, I don't know what's going on there. And, and think things would come. And why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I know that was going on? I should be knowing all of these things and and all of these things coming on me. But then I realized as I just matured that there are some people in this church that I don't need anybody to give me a text message about, give me a phone call about, an email about. I carry them in my spirit. And I know things by the Spirit of God. And it's like I pray for them from this place that I'm just driving down the road and I'm thinking of them and I'm praying for them. And, and it's like, it's like it's, I carry, there's like certain people God intertwines within you that it's like, there, it's like there's, it's like, you're marked. You remember them. They don't slip your spirit. You carry them with you. I mean, you pray with them and speak over their lives and things like that. And I began to realize if the church, all of us together, tap into that, then by God's design, not one person in any church would ever be without a covering or someone warring on their behalf. It's like we would all be covered because you never know, but you need to be there to pray for people. Because the Bible says, Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. It's like God knits them in your spirit so that you carry them and you cover them. If you're driving down the road at 9, 10 o'clock at night, it's dark, and you see some dude sneaking across the yard with a ski mask on. 
Or you're going to be like, he's probably got good intentions. I'm going to leave him alone. No, you're going to turn the car around. You're going to put the headlights on, honk the horn, call 911. You're going to town. You have just found a, a pervert in the yard. You know, you know how people are. It's like you come alive. Oh, I was made for this. Pervert! Nine o'clock. Like, you have the fire department there. You'll have everybody there. I saw him, and you'll be on the two o'clock news. They're going to auto tune you. He was creeping. He was creeping, he was creeping down the yard one day, and I was driving, I was driving, and I stopped the pervert right in his way. I mean, it's like. I mean, you were made for that, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, you've been talking about it for 18 years. I saw a pervert in the yard one time, let me tell you about it. Things you don't expect to hear at church. How many people know those auto-tune songs, you know what I'm saying? Okay, three of us. Wow, you guys live a little. God, make me self-pay. Just take over. But you're going to stop because you know something's not right. So I'm going to do something. Well, it's in the spirit. We have access to that. It's like you can thwart the devil in his plans. You can give a word of encouragement right when you don't even know how much that word meant. When I was in Bible college, it was the first time I was in a large church. And I felt totally overwhelmed. Because I, I, for one, I didn't go to church growing up. And then when I went and got saved, it was in a church of 20 to 40 people on a Sunday. So it's like you knew everybody. And so then I go to a church of thousands. And months go by and no one even knows my name. You know what I'm saying? I'm there, I'm serving, I'm doing everything I can, but no one knows your name. No one really greets you. Hey, brother, how you doing, brother? You know, the, the. and then I remember one day, it's like I was feeling just overwhelmed, just a fish out of water, just sad, really, I would say, sad about it, you know, desperate for a compliment. Like, if you told me my hair looked good, I probably would have cried. You beat it? Like... <laughs> Which part? Okay, now you're just fishing, bro. Take the compliment and go. <laughs> and I remember a lady, her name was Dolores. She was in her 80s. Precious woman of God, served in the church for many years before me, Dolores. And she walked up to me one day, right before praise and worship started, grabbed me by the shoulder and said, Caleb, I'm so glad to see you today. It warms my heart. And I was like... I mean, seriously, I'm actually crying now. I mean, it was like, I rocked, but I was like, Dolores, you know my name? You're Dolores. You're a legend around these parts. You've been serving in the cafe since before coffee existed. <laughs> Didn't I read about you in the book of Acts? You were there. I never forgot Dolores. I mean, as long as she just passed away just a couple years ago. Lived a long and healthy life. I carried Dolores in my heart. I'd be like, Lord, bless Sister Dolores. Give her, I mean, just all the time because it marked me. Think about that. We are, we're in a spiritual fight. Why do you think, you people, if you're the one that notices the person that's drifting and you do nothing, 
then it's like, what's going on in the church? Do we not care enough? Do we let enough religion make us stagnant so that we don't stand up? Or do we let that Enrique passionate person come out and be like, you listen here, devil. El Diablo, you be bound. <laughs> stir, stir up the past. These are my family. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. We are formed in the trenches for a battle. And we're coming out swinging, baby. Hey! I'm not going to let the devil steal the children of God. When the church gets out and we realize we're in a spiritual fight, the devil wants to take people out. He wants to lie to people. He wants to manipulate people. He wants to take that fire burning in them and put a blanket on it till the fire is gone. He wants to convince you you don't matter. He wants to convince you that sin is the best way forward. He wants to remind you of your past and make it look beautiful. But let me tell you, you can go right back to the past. It's still just as cold and dead as it was when you had it the first time. But the church has got to rise up. We're in a spiritual fight and we are spiritual people. And in the spirit, we have access. What else happens in the spirit? It's revelation flows. When you are worshiping the Lord, you're connected with God. Pray in the spirit at all times, Ephesians says. What is that talking about? That at all times there's communications between you and God. That you can be driving down the road and God can drop revelation in your spirit. Things to come in your spirit. Understanding in your spirit. So that things come alive within you. And if you live like that, the devil will always be behind you and never ahead of you. Because God will always keep you and give you the advantage to take the victory after victory after victory. That's how we're called to live. Revelation that flows from the Spirit of God that reveals things to you. You ever had those moments you've read the Bible, read this chapter 16, 18, 19 times and then suddenly... Like a thunderbolt from heaven shakes your heart when you read it. And you're like, I've never seen that before. And you can't, you know what happens when that happens? Oh, well, for me, a whole sermon comes from it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I can't wait till Sunday. For most people, it's within 20 seconds you're calling somebody. <laughs> Susan's going to find out. <laughs> Susan, you're going to believe whatever's out. Who's reading the season 16? Because it's like life flowing from you. Are you, am I telling the truth or not? Well, what I'm going to talk it's like a fire within you. See, religion wants you to be cold and just, eh, yeah, I was praying about the Lord the other day, and it was all right, it was good. How many people know that one day, but then the person that's in the spirit, you even talk about Jesus, they're like, <laughs> you know, like, a, like, like, what, 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 what? We're... Hey, well, they lean in. We were at we were at Just Love Cafe, minding our own business, drinking a coffee, talking about the things of the Lord. And a lady, precious old lady, you can barely even hear her, she leans in. I feel the presence of the Lord here. I need healing in my body right now. The devil's been attacking me. I'm like, you want, let's pray right now. I get up and I'm we're right in Just Love. I'm like, Jesus. She's like, I feel, I feel the power. I was driving down the road the other day. This was like a while ago down Hook Street. And I'm just having a praise moment with the Lord. You know, and you're like, okay, I just need to get out here and I need to praise the Lord, you know. So you're just in there in the car like, Jesus, you the greatest. Like Kirk Franklin, you know what I'm saying? Come on, come on. Ah, ah. Like you are leading a choir of angels and you know it at that time. Gabriel, hit it. Mm, 
And I'm just in, I'm like there with the Lord. I don't even know where I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? My windows are down. It's a beautiful day. And I look over at the red light and I'm stopped at. And there was a, there was a African-American lady looking at me and she goes, oh, you know, that's right. You know what I'm saying? We, we were connected. We're like, yeah, oh, oh, oh. I mean, spirit people, they, we like have tractor beam. There's like a thousand people. You're like, there they are right there. You know who I know. We know what we know. <laughs> and you know what I've learned? It's the devil knows it too. When you are alive in the spirit, the craziest stuff happens to you. You go out and I mean weird stuff happens to you. People come up to you all the time in the parking lot and just, just disperse their whole life story before you. I mean, you're just trying to get Buffalo Wild Wings right now. You don't even, I mean, try to, uh, uh, please pray for me, man of God. What are you doing right now? Please. Just trying to get some extra spicy, twice crispies. Stand up, you're making it awkward, bro. Like, it's like the enemy knows it too because you are alive in the spirit and he, it's like that, that they can see. And it's like they're attracted to it. That's why demoniacs flock to Jesus. That's why devils cried out when they were around because you carry that with you everywhere you go. Why? Because you're a chain breaker. Because you break chains off of people. You sever the power of darkness everywhere you go. We're in a spiritual fight, but let me tell you, when you are living with a renewed spirit, you have authority in Jesus' name everywhere you go. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, he gives it unto you in Jesus' name. Amen? Wisdom and revelation flows. God shows you things to, con to come. And then a renewed spirit person has access to the resources of heaven. Well, the resources of heaven is literally anything and everything that is needed to help the family out. Amen? Amen. Anything. That's where wisdom comes from. That's where, if, if, if that's what is needed, you have access to those resources. If it's financial provision, you can tap into supernatural provision. Crazy things follow the children of God. The wildest of testimonies follow children of God. Unexplainable miracles follow children of God. All throughout the Bible, you read it. And I was reading this week about the miracle of the axe head. And when I read it, I was like, kind of for the first time ever. And I've read it many times. I was like, God, I mean, not to be weird, but why is this even in the Bible? Because it just seems kind of like off. Like, why are we highlighting this? Like an axe head fell in the creek, jump in and get the axe head. You know, but it's, that's not what they did. It just took a stick and threw it in and the thing floated and they got it. It was kind of like the Lord showing that even what seems small. Even what seems menial, like, like minimal, God's like, I am prepared to do even what seems small to you. You need help in any capacity whatsoever. I can make iron float. 
I can make oil never stop pouring. I can make food multiply. I can make people show up to supply your every need. I can do anything and everything that is needed. When you serve God, you tap into the resources of heaven. I'm closing, but this story is just prompting in my spirit. Remember years ago, and some of you have heard this, but we got an opportunity to preach in India, my wife and I. And we met a dear man who was a precious man of God named P.G. Vargas. They call him the Apostle of Faith over there. Oversees thousands of churches. Three and a half thousand churches. Beersheba Church of God. All over. Incredible testimony. Was personal friends with John Osteen. Incredible man of God. And in one of his books, he blessed me with, and he told us the story himself, that we went and preached at Katra, where the first city that God sent him to. And Katra is one of the three holy cities of the Hindu faith, where people come in... 40,000 pilgrims a day come and walk barefoot up a mountain to give gold and silver sacrifices to three rocks. And they do it all the time, every day. And the Lord sent him there. He had no money, absolutely poor as could be, and would go out every day and try and witness to the Hindus coming in for the pilgrim pilgrimage. And just never seeing fruit, never seeing fruit. Finally, over time, people started getting saved, starting to go, but just, just hard, hard life. And barely getting by, and he had this little bitty house, little bitty room, across the street from some big houses. And one day he comes home, and they had no furniture. I'm talking nothing. They slept on the ground. They didn't have a chair to sit on or a table to eat at. Nothing in the building. And he came home, and his wife was crying because his little boy had gone across the street and sat on the chair of one of the wealthy neighbors. And the wealthy neighbor came out and took the little boy and threw him on the street because he was a Christian, he was a low caste, and they shouldn't touch anything that belongs to us. And he hit head first on the road. And the kid, swelling up, eyes rolling the back of his head, not basically going um, lifeless in, in the mom's hands, and brain damage, whatever, right there. And they could do nothing. So she's holding the baby, just hor horrified by it. And he came home and he was like, his wife explained what happened. He just wanted to sit in the chair. I took my eyes off for a second. I didn't see it happen. But what are we going to do? So he took his boy and he ran down the road to the doctor and went to the doctor. And the doctor looked at his boy and also a high caste would refuse to even touch, touch him if they were so low. And looked at the kid and said, well, he's going to die most likely in the night. But if he lives, if, if, if he lives at all, he will be brain damaged his whole life and he will be a simple person. And he said, put the money for me even seeing the kid on the ground because I don't want to touch your hand. So he said, put the money on the ground, take his kid back home in the middle of the night, holding his baby in his hands, going lifeless. And he just broke down crying. And he said, God, like, I love you. I, you are my savior. I'm committed to you. But my boy just wanted to sit in a chair. And now I don't know what to do. You're a healer. You're a protector. You're a provider. And I'm asking you to, Jesus help me he's holding his boy he falls off asleep and in the wee hours of the morning there's a knock on his door it's still dark outside and he said the first thought in his mind is don't open the door because in India you're supposed to give them chai tea and we have nothing to give them so just ignore the knock let them go away because we can't even provide the customary tea and then he heard on the other side of the door PG Vargas I know you're in there open the door and it was his old friend from from the army and he opened the door, four o'clock in the morning, and here's a guy sitting with a chair on his head at 4 a.m., a very expensive chair that he drove with a moped 
for hours to get to, balancing a chair on his head on a moped, hours on curvy mountain roads to deliver it at 4 a.m. Said, P.G. Vargas, I'm moving to South India, and I had this chair. It's a very expensive chair. And I said, what do I do with it? And I thought about you, and I've driven all the way from Jammu to give this to you before I go and move. Well, you take the chair. And the Lord, he takes the chair, puts it in his house. The guy says, I have to go. Turns around and leaves. And he falls back asleep. And in the morning when he wakes up, there's a chair. And his little boy was totally healed by the power of God. In fact, that kid lives in America and is a medical doctor today. And then months went by. And one day he came home. Now the Lord was giving him breakthrough. The church was growing. And he walks up and hears his wife praying from inside the window. And she says, Lord, I love you. But tell people to stop bringing furniture. Or give me a bigger house because we do not have room enough to receive it. Because from that day forward, furniture poured into their house. God is a provider. As a spirit person, you have accesses to the resources of heaven. And God is not lack in anything. Remind yourself of that. No matter what you face, no matter what happens, no matter what's coming, we serve a God that is greater than any God of this world. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in this world. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.